This podcast discusses sensitive topics that may contain graphic depictions of violence, substance use, self-harm, explicit language, and other content that some listeners may find disturbing or triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Have you ever, you know, sat a child, seven years old, in a bathtub, a warm bathtub, and said, you know, stay in here until you scrub the black off your knees and elbows? Welcome to the Survivor Story Podcast. You are invited to open your hearts and ears to the powerful stories of others. Here, you are no longer alone. You hear your experience, your strength, your hope in the words of others. Join us on this journey as we conquer our past, live in the present, and dream for our future. Together we choose to free our story. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 3 of the Survivor Story Podcast. My name is Kevin Colbert, and today we have Shay's story. Shay is a musician, a activist, a advocate for transgender youth. He is has such a powerful story touching in on racism, on spirituality, on gender identity, and seems to be a a voice through his music, through his story, through his words. Um, it's really a pleasure to have him share his experience and his life and his struggles and how he continues to just walk this journey and grow and seek support and receive support and really be a helping and serving individual in this society. So once again, get comfy, circle around the fire, do what you need to do. And here we go with Shay's story. Thank you, Great Mystery, for this life that we lead. Thank you for this life that we lead and all its beauty and all its struggle. We cannot have one without the other. Thank you for all these lessons. Thank you. My name is Shay Freedom, and it's a little bit of my story. The back pages on my story. You can call them the first chapters of my life, which were spent in the care of my mother and my father, my biological mother and father. May they always continue to be teachers, even not from this realm. So I grew up with my mother and father, who were not married, who were separated. They had had relations and then had a child, which was me. Um, they lived on either side of the county of Los Angeles when I was younger. And at the hands of my father, who was born to a woman, now it's important I don't justify my father's actions, but I do, I do very much indeed realize 
that I was a victim of my father's suffering. I was a victim of the systems that failed my father. And the fact that my father came from being born, most most people my age, I'm 28 years old, cannot say that their parents were born into segregation. Um, my father was. His mother was. My grandmother, it really all kind of starts for me with my grandmother, who was my protector and my saving grace. Um, my grandmother was born 1924 in Marshall, Texas, as a black woman. Um, when she was seven years old, she stood in the soup lines during the Great Depression. So as I tell you my story, I want you to remember my grandmother um, and, and her struggle, not but a hundred years ago. Um, yet even. And, you know, I want to you to imagine this black young lady standing in soup lines, not even but a hundred years ago. Um, because for me, as a black trans man, as a former foster youth, as a former homeless youth, it's important for me. And what got me through was understanding my grandmother's history, understanding that it wasn't very long ago that there was soup lines, you know, that there was Jim Crow, that there was no, no voting rights. There was, there was nothing. So me, um, enduring what I have, I'll never say it was easy. Um, but I will never say that anyone's heart is harder than another. It, it, it is all just fucking hard. <laughs> um, and so my grandmother bore my father, you know, um, as a young woman, as a teenager in, in those conditions, those post great depression conditions, those, you know, where's a black college conditions, those, you know, segregation conditions, those Texas conditions. Um, my mother was uh, Caucasian. She was born in Ohio. And I knew my parents until I was seven years old. And as I said, I suffered at the hands of my father. I suffered brutal things at the hands of my father. Um, force feedings, timed meals. Understand my father um, came from nothing and then became a Navy man one year after the desegregation of the military. I cannot imagine what he endured as a black man in a very newly desegregated military if white women suffer what they do in the military. Yeah, you know I'm saying. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, no one's heart is harder, but if if that sort of behavior happens and gets thrown under the rug, what happens to black soldiers who are newly trying to provide for themselves and their family and serve their country right after things change, you know? So I don't blame my father. I forgive my father. Um, which for me was just something that came inherently. Uh, my mother would ask, why do you want to go over there? He's not nice to you. And I would say, I don't like him. I love him. He's my father. I remember saying that at five years old. I remember saying that at six years old. I also, to this day, remember very prominently the smell of Irish Spring and Lever 2000. You can blindfold me, walk me into a room with different soaps, and I'll pick it up. 
but that's because I came to know internalized racism um, at the hands of my father. Have you ever, you know, sat a child five, four, four years old, five years old, six years old, seven years old in a bathtub, a warm bathtub, and said, you know, stay in here until you scrub the black off your knees and elbows. I was very determined child. I didn't like much ending up in a cold bathtub for hours. I wanted to show my father I did what he said. Which often led to bleeding knees and elbows. Because those bristles on back scrubbers aren't too soft. So I suffered, you know, enormously at the hands of my father and the systems that failed him. Uh, and that kind of stuff, you know, um, the kind of things like standing in one place and being asked to reload a weapon at five years old, six years old, even younger than that, four years old is the earliest I remember. And being forced to reload, you know, a thirty-eight special, a three-fifty-seven Magnum, a, a twenty-two rifle, while while having a loaded weapon pointed at you, and then being in the same um, regard asked to walk a couple paces back and be shot at inside the house. This was something very common for me. As a child... Um, so also you must understand that my father suffered, um, alcoholism. So it wasn't always violent at that age. You know, I, I knew what kind of day it was by the footfall, not by the tone of voice, not by, by the way, but by the sound, you will hear that door open. And the way his boots hit the ground would determine what kind of thrashing, if any, you would get. It was things like, hey, Dad, I want to help you with the roof at six years old. Okay, if you can climb the ladder, you can help me with the roof. Okay, it's only a, you know, it's only a one-story roof. It wasn't a very high house. So... I was hell-bent to climb the ladder. I wanted to learn to roof with my father at six years old. You know, what else was I going to do? <laughs> um, you know, it was it was that kind of thing. Finally, you know, getting to like one of the last rungs and being so scared and crying, but being encouraged. And then after being, you know, told, oh, I'm going to go inside and get, you know, some water having the ladder pulled and being up there until nightfall and having to create some way to get off the roof if I wanted supper. So if you ask me where I come from, I don't always say anything about my parents. I love my parents dearly, but they did the best they could. Um, a lot of that time when I wasn't being thrashed around by my father or enjoying cartoons because he was having a moment of sobriety. I would be at my mother's house 
or sometimes look like walking home alone from the Boys and Girls Club in the flooded streets of L.A. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen a five-year-old try to cross the flooded streets of Los Angeles after a really good downpour with a seven-and-a-half-year-old as their guide. What is only a couple blocks walk is, you know, life or death situation. I didn't know how to swim. But I became a sailor. I went to sailing school. I know how to swim now. You learn when you're thrown into a pool. And you learn the meaning of life and death when you have, you know, when you when you are frequently finding your mother, you know, passed out face down on her bed, shaking her, but understanding she's breathing. So eventually when I entered foster care and I went through 28 placements between the age of 7 and 17, what wasn't all happy stories, um, there are a few good group homes, ones I look back on and I'm grateful for, but mostly it just was what it was. It was shit. There's a bunch of staff members, overworked and underpaid. Um, so you look back on that and, and I don't really know, you know, so when you're at a gathering, when you're at, you know, when you meet people, when you're on a business trip, whatever, and somebody says, so where are you from? 28 years old, and I still don't know how to answer that question, my friend. I'm from Earth. I'm from a place that's shitty. I'm from a heart that just wants to make things better. You know, I always come up with something. Because the look on people's faces, even as a successful young man, when you say, I'm from foster care, is always interesting. And not something I always want questions about. But since then, uh, you know, it was 17 and a half, I emancipated in homelessness. That was what it was. And I eventually found uh, my way to Colorado. You know, it always starts with, well, I was going to see about a woman. Uh, <laughs> I rode my motorcycle up there and, you know, I had an interesting journey. Made a pit stop at jail before I got to my destination. Entered a town with nothing of my name and ended up playing the belly up which wasn't too far away a couple years later with rising appalachia you know my story is just kind of a kind of sounds like fiction you know to endure such such trauma and then i'm not talking to you from england man i play some festivals 
you know, it's, uh, I was hit by a car at 75 miles an hour, 11, 22, 2015. People asked me what happened. I said, I wasn't listening. They say, what do you mean? I say, well, you know, when life is telling you slow down or not worry about making that extra buck and just be, and you decide to go off on your motorcycle, make that extra buck anyways, well, guess what the fuck happens? Life tells you slow down in a way you gonna god dang understand. And being as it is, you know, I have I'm a young man who hasn't homesteaded himself. I don't have lands, I don't have titles, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a you know, I went to sailing school, but I never even became a captain because music called to my heart. Um I could get my captaincy if I wanted, but I find advocacy to be much more fulfilling than driving, you know, consumptuous yachts that run on petrol. So I had to put out a message on Facebook. Who who wants to host me? I need like five to seven days on a couch to heal. People were like, you just got hit by a car at 75. You need five to seven days. What the hell do you think you are? <laughs> I was like, magic, man. I'm magic. Watch. Watch me heal super quick and then go tour in Hawaii with my drummer. Not knowing he was going to kill himself a year or two later. But I put out that Facebook post that I said to myself and everybody else that said, hey, this is hard to do, but. I don't have a home to go to. I don't have family to call on. I guess music said you're my family, you know. So who wants to put me up? And because of some Craigslist posts earlier, I had happened to meet this woman who lived in Malibu. And, uh, well, they put me up. And that was after these folks at a yoga studio, you know, that I had met. Had put me up for the first night or two and then helped me get there. You know, if you ask me, you know, who is Shea Freedom, man? I'm all the people who love me and all the songs that come through me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just looking at my life right now, bro. Out this window right now talking to you. And I'm like, I don't even know because all I know is who I want to become and what, what music has opened up my heart to. And that's infinite possibilities. That's, you know what I'm saying? I was laying in bed last night, you know, talking about, man, I just want this for everybody where I'm from. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want this for all the foster kids, or at least all the ones that can want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want them to be able to see the world. I want them to be able to go to these transformational festivals and, and be touched by other people and their vulnerability. I want that. You know what I'm saying? I desperately want that. Like, I need that for my people, you know, for little trans kids who've been thrown out and rejected by their family. Like, I want them to come and see, like, yeah, people here like fuck up and they misgender you, but guess what? You're their first trans person they ever met. And they also embrace you and want to feed you and, you know, and hear your music and, you know, and 
And, you know, so while they're learning, give them grace. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that it's okay to misgender people. I'm saying that we're all learning. You know, and and, and it, ta- it takes grace. It takes grace to, you know, to do this learning. Grace that I'm just learning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shit, I'm going to have to write that in a song. Yeah, man. So that's like my story. I'm just out here doing this music thing. You know, I've had the blessing of touring with Rising Appalachia and Trevor Hall and uh, hosting some events on behalf of uh, a little side project I got going called We Are Resilient, which is War Gatherings. And man, it's just been cool. I did that with like Climbing Poetry in Oakland twice and and yeah, man, it's just been super beautiful. So I'm over here like, you know, I'm just cruising, man. I'm just letting the universe get the fuck out my way because I heard it wants to, you know. I want, I heard it wants to get out my way and just make every dream I ever had po- dreamed of possible and att- attainable and tangible, palpable and real, you know what I'm saying, and manifest it in a good way. So... That's that's my life right now. I'm just, you know, cruising and, you know, just trying to trying to give back where I can. And, and you know, it's I'm a solo musician. I'm an independent musician. But, you know, what I'm saying I fucking grind hard. You know, what I'm saying ain't nobody hold your hand in this business, man. That's real talk. Um, so, you know, I just I just wherever, you know, calls like I've had some beautiful keynote speeches i got a keynote speech coming up 11 1 and again like i don't know if you vibe like i vibe but that's um you know that's some synchronicity right there check your numerology you know what i'm saying what is 11 1 what is 11 1 you know what i'm saying are you on your track are you in your purpose you know what i'm saying um so so i'm just on that vibe where it's like what a blessing to be able to have that keynote speech on that kind of date you know what i'm saying in a place where, you know, it's cold, you know what I'm saying? And it's, and that keynote speech is for, uh, courage, um, MK, what is it? CM, CME. So it's a nonprofit up in Milwaukee and I've never even like played a show in Milwaukee, but somehow they heard about me and I just feel super blessed to be able to go up there and share space with them about their, um, transitional housing facility that they're opening up for homeless queer kids, which is right in alignment with what I want to do for my music. You know, some artists look at music, like how can I get a crib? Some artists look at music, like how can I, you know, uh, get a car? I'm like, how can I use music to build a transitional housing facility for kids? That's also an accredited educational facility for kids, you know, with like hybrid diesel technology, solar technology, culinary arts, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, how can I use music to create scholarships for little trans kids? You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Ohana to go to uh, summer camps. You know what I'm saying? How can I use my my gifts to bless of other people's lives? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't know. I'm just over here in my little island grinding. And I'm like, whoever want to come, you know, invest and grow in this shit. Let's go. When I say growing this shit, I don't mean a bad thing. Shit is fertilizer. Bats, cows, horses, you know what I'm saying? From the shit we grow, you know what I'm saying? 
from the shit we grow, bro. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening to Shay's story. If you would like to dive in and learn a little bit more about what Shay is doing, you can check out our website at the survivorstorypodcast.com. There you'll get more information about Shay's story, the different things he is up to currently, and ways you can listen to his music and find him on Instagram and Facebook. So definitely go check that out. Also on our website, you can check out the journal articles that we're putting out every week that has to do with ways to improve and adjust and help our emotional and mental well-being. So definitely go check that out if you want to dive into self-improvement, improving your life, making different shifts and changes to your life that may benefit you. It's definitely, definitely got a lot of information that I think anyone would just benefit from. Also, if you're interested in being a guest on this show, you can go to our website and fill out the be a guest on this podcast form, a uh, little information for us to kind of screen you to see if you might be a great guest. We love to have different people with different backgrounds, different stories. And so if you have something that you think is worthy of sharing that someone might gain a little bit of benefit, that even you just speaking your story might gain a little bit of benefit, go out, fill out the form. It takes volunteers like you to keep the show going. Also, to help support the show, please rate and subscribe us. It means so much. That's what helps keep the show moving and going and our ability to put out great content that is timely and consistent, really based off of your support. So I am so grateful for your support. You can also check us out. Reach out to us at The Survivor Story on Instagram and The Survivor Story Podcast on Facebook there. You can join our community, start talking about your story, and really be part of the movement of storytelling. And let's just get moving right back into Shay and his story. We'll dive right into the Q&A right now. So yeah, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing this. Um, I noticed there was a big theme kind of throughout um, your story of allowing people to learn, offering grace and forgiveness um, from, you know, looking at that with your parents to um, even people who are, you know, learning to learning what transgender means and misgendering. And there's just a, a space of forgiveness and not not saying that it's okay or um, even allowing that but allowing people to kind of learn in the process or understanding that they're operating from a place of what they've know mm-hmm. in a sense what they learned yeah a person um, not, doesn't not, get their swastika tattoos uh erased you know what i'm saying until they have a beautiful interaction you know what I'm saying? Yeah, wow. Until they have the chance to unlearn what they were taught. But it can happen. And it has yeah, happened. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, wow. so and, not, and not only, like, you know, letting other people experience that grace, man. I've had to give myself that grace. 
coming from, where mm. the fuck I come from, and during these, you know, these these times, like I'm far too intelligent to have ever needed to pick up fucking coins outside of the drive-through window and collect cans. Mm. Like my youth was far too valuable, but I mm. had to give myself grace and forgive my own self for what I didn't know. I didn't know that I could become who I am today. I didn't know that I could live past 19 years old. I didn't know because all I knew was what the fuck I was taught and told. I was never going to be anything more than my father and my mother. I was never going to be anything more than statistics. Well, fuck you. First of all, you also said I got oppositional defiance disorder. So fuck you. Fuck that. Fuck that authority. Did you always have an easy time either forgiving others or yourself? I remember you saying um, about your father that you said, I don't like him. I love him. Yeah, he's my father. Um, Yeah. Were you always able, did you find it like natural to uh, forgive him or has it been kind of a process throughout your adult life? No, it was pretty instant. It was just, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like I was saying to my mom when I was a kid. You know, before I knew things, words like internalized racism, before I knew things like the lack of resources to people in the VA, before I knew things about like ancestral trauma and, you know, um, the black culture around, you know, medicine and the, and the heinous things that were done to black men. You know what I'm saying? And the fear, we, we, have you ever wondered why black people just don't like to go to the doctor? That's, you know, have you ever wondered why that was a thing? I mean, it's changing. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to really look at things. You don't have the whole story. You can't pass judgment if you don't have the whole story. And even if you have the whole story, who the fuck are you to judge anyway? Hmm. So for me, like, I don't know why I was like that as a kid. Um, as I've gotten older, I've found it still easy to hmm. forgive, but I've never found it easy to hmm. forgive myself. That I don't know why. And that is something okay. I've always worked on healing. I was just curious on how much of your past, like, for example, of, um, you know, overcoming or being in the hands of suffering from generational trauma to being a foster youth, um, how much of your kind of past struggles um, has fueled you uh, to do the work that you do, I guess? I would say it's more of... The future that inspires me. It's not just is it my past and how much of it. It's it's like a three part. It's my past, my present, and my future. You know, you have to have gas. You have mm-hmm. to have an engine. You have to have a driver. You know what I'm saying? You have to have wind. You have to have somebody to let out the main sheet. You have to have somebody to operate the helm. It's a three part system for me. Um, if you want to talk about drive and what drives mm-hmm. me, um, it's parts of my past and my future that are still intertwined. I am not a rich man. I don't have the ability to just gift someone a car that is insured and you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Go, hey, this will make it easier to chase your dream. You know what I'm saying? And, and anonymously do that. Yeah. But my heart beats to be able to do that one day. Because I know there were certain 
times in my life that if I had a car, it would have bettered my situation. I would have been able to get to work faster. I would have been able to, you know what I'm saying, um, have a place to sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so so the fact that, you know what I'm saying, it, it, I know what it's like to sleep in bathrooms, park benches, you know, with a stranger for a place to sleep. Um, because I know these things personally and firsthand. And because I also know what it's like to be put up at the Hilton just to tell my story. In hopes of the fact that it'll reach somebody else who might find, you know what I'm saying? Um, what what drives me is, is my drummer's suicide, my one of my best friend's suicides. You know, the fact that I myself had suicidal ideologies. Um, and have overcome things like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's my future. It's it's being here in England. It's it's the fact that I know that if I write in the back of a book, hey, I want to open for Trevor Hall one day, that shit could come true. Fuck around and find out. Fuck around and play with some manifestation. Fuck around and be focused. Fuck around and don't get drunk on tour. Fuck around and have one only one hangover ever in your life. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it's, 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 the, it's the future yeah. that excites me, that keeps me going when, you know what I'm saying, when I deal with financial struggles, when I deal with, you know what I'm saying, things like this. Um, like, you know what I'm saying? And as you, you know what I'm saying? There, there are things that you cannot learn that you have to learn the hard way. And that, I can't say that necessarily excites me. But I look forward to not, not repeating some mistakes more than once, not being a victim of my ignorance. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, so it's the past, the, the future, the present that really excite me and drive me. You know what I'm saying? It's knowing that I came from shit, knowing that I'm still not necessarily clear of all that shit, um, but knowing that I can be. So I, I hear a lot of what you say, and I consider you to be somewhat of a, a spiritual man. Where do you feel like you had a sense of spirituality? Do you think from birth? Do you think, did you find it along the way? Um, okay, well... For me, it kind of ties into now at this present moment, now that I've developed the language for such things and whatnot. Um, I, at six years old, asked my mom, you know, about my genitalia. I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, <laughs> like, I'm a boy. What's wrong with me? You know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, And I learned about, you know, things like sex change and transgender before I learned about Two-Spirit. And you know what I'm saying? Wente, Mahu, Chogapa, you know what I'm saying? Um, the sacred roles of trans people and non-binary people. Um, so for me, it's like, Yes, I consider myself a very spiritual man, but like, you know what I'm saying? I was having an existential crisis at fucking six years old, Kevin. <laughs> I was like, gender is an illusion. You can't tell me I'm a girl. 
what the hell is going on? What's going on? This is, you are, you adults are crazy. You know, <laughs> I bro, shit was fucked. <laughs> For lack of better words, the world was topsy-turvy. It was like some freaky Friday stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, so for me, like I've begun to understand things like that, you know what I'm saying? The fact that there could be a separation of how I feel and how my body feels and you know what I'm saying? So that's spirit and body, you know what I'm saying? Like my spirit is male. I'm pre-transitioned. So my body still is anatomically female. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's very much a spiritual thing, you know what I'm saying, to understand your spirit and yourself and, you know, and also understand these gender constructs and these current constructs. And it was weird, you know, I think I got some of my spirituality from my grandmother. My grandmother was a woman, um, you know what I'm saying, who grew up in Texas and whatever, and so what they had for faith was Jesus Christ. And so, like, you know, I grew up with, like, you know, Easter being, you know, five, four, five, six, seven years old. And people think you can't remember that that age. But if you're if you're enduring, you know, traumatic events like I was like you, you, you remember that shit, whether in flashbacks or nightmares or full on memories, you, you remember it. So. So for me, it's like, you know. I, I got to see, you know, my grandma, I went to church with her right down the road in LA, you know, like literally right down the road. Like we would walk and we'd get an ice cream cone on the way back if we behaved, which I always behaved. I never dis, I mean, not at the group home. I, you know what I'm saying? Now once they took me away from my family, even though my family was crazy, you took me from where I fucking belonged, you crazy motherfuckers. You sent cops to rip me out my mama's arms, crazy bastards. Um, but bless the institution that doesn't know better. You know, it's, it's run by litigation. It's run by laws and, and, and business. You know, it's not a foster care. It's foster industry. That's a whole different conversation. Um, but it affected my spirit greatly. And for me, you know, like my grandma and getting that chance, like, you know, like I also went to a group home and I, and when I was at that group home and I was like six years old, I asked um, a woman called, hold on, I'm going to roll this thing right quick. And there's another spin. Yeah, another spin. It's just a tiny spin, though, so I don't get too fucked off on you. Um, it is business, after all. I value your time. But it's very personal, you know, so it kind of helps my nerves, man. Um, so, For sure, I feel it. But, but there's power, you know, I didn't realize, you know what I'm saying? And even at Pyro, you know, I had to cry because they were like, hey, we need shirts to help identify people. And this is just on the off subject before we get back on the spiritual subject and how I feel about spirituality. Um, which I will compile after I give you my thoughts. So I'll give you a little synopsis of everything. Um, so, so at Pyro, this was, I don't know if you know about Pyro Fest. Mm-hmm. Did you go? I haven't been, but I'm you know, aware of the festival. It just happened recently, right? Yeah, the 6th to the 9th. I had the yeah. blessing of playing it for the first time. and um, And I had, you know, for the first time in my life, uh, and it was at my first festival in a state I've never even played in. You know what I'm saying? This is the thing about music and these kind of festivals, you know. Like I had people that 
that I've been loosely acquainted with step up, you know, like do the merch booth, capture film, you know. And they said to me, because I came to music from, you know, being on boats and operating yachts and stuff after a stint to homelessness and transitional housing facilities. Um, man, they said to me, I wish I could see your face right now, but they said to me, we need shirts so we can identify each other. Hmm. And the fact that, like, you know, that should just sound like a good business idea, but the fact that they said that, you know what I'm saying? So they were like, you know what I'm saying? They were like, either like, you know, they could say, you know what I'm saying? It, it fortified a team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was it was saying, hey, I want this shirt, but for like the next festival. You know, so when you're like, what is the drive? It's people saying, you know, I want those shirts, bro. So that, and I started crying, you know, and they were like, what? Like, we're just talking about getting shirts so we could see each other at the next festival. And I was like, yeah, but you don't even understand, like, I am not impervious to questioning my self-worth and questioning, you know, like, do y'all really want to be on my team? And I was like, boo-hoo. And I was like, you know, I'm just fucking grateful. And they were like, yeah, like, we need to do a series of shows. And they were like, where are you? They were like, I'm in Minnesota. I'm in fucking Michigan. They were like, we're all right here in the Midwest. Let's plan another, let's plan a Shea Freedom tour. And let's, you know what I'm saying? And we'll have some talks about when dates work for everybody. And we'll just bring Shea home. And you know what I'm saying? Whether he wants to be in the RV or, you know saying it's to stay with you or whatever i was like whoa slow the fuck down y'all are too beautiful hold my oh my god bless the hyperspeed manifest yo (laughs) you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. whoa man i was crying i was like fuck okay we got a team in the midwest yeah you know and that's 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 because you know i finally decided you know i heard this proverb and it tripped my life out you know what i'm saying and this is the spirituality stuff. Like, I listen, man. When you when you hear stuff like that and it makes you feel a certain way, listen to that. And better than that, try to apply it. It said, that proverb said something like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Man, I heard that one. And it really, and that was earlier this year, you know, over the winter. And I was like, like even right now saying it like my whole heart is like wow wow oh i feel that in every molecule of my being hell yeah heavens yes you know Mm -hmm. get right with your language manifest you know like you know i'm saying man like woman by non-binary fam like you know what i'm saying Mm y'all like you know and i've been going at it for so long man alone one because that was was safe to my spirit you know what i'm saying that's what was safe to me you know what i'm saying that uh, safe because that's what i knew you know what i'm saying like homeless people don't just stay homeless because they want to sometimes it's because you know it's what they're comfortable with and when you give them a good thing their nervous system freaks out kind of like when you lose a person in the desert and you find them and they're all fucking dehydrated and famine you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or a person who's at sea and got scurvy. Like, you can't just be trying to give them a whole bunch of nutrients and goodness at once. It'll fuck their system up. 
That shit takes time. Hmm. And that's how I was built. You know, that's how I was built my spirit and my spirituality process. I've always felt a pull to the indigenous ever since I was a young man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I found sanctity in animals. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was blessed to be at a group home that was 4.3 acres, 30 kids. I was one of 30 kids. Um, you know what I'm saying? Three cottages, 10 to a cottage. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But it had horse therapy on site. Hmm. And so, like, when the, when the place would go on riot, and when I say on riot, I mean, you got teenage girls on riot, 10 strong. You got teenage boys on riot, 10 strong. You got a little co-ed cottage that's, like, you know, five to freaking, you know, like, four to, like, nine-year-olds, like, on full on riot. Like, and, and when I say riot, I mean, like, people who came from worse stuff. Like, you know, like, I knew this kid who came... And he had permanent marks on his wrist because he had been chained up by his parents all his life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody's heart is harder, but that shit's just fucking hard. Yeah. We're going to make it through this shit together. Being human's fucking hard. But it's beautiful. And it's short. So stop trying to kill yourself. Jeez. Jeez. Like, hey, personally, I've had to say that to myself. Like, come on. Like, why are you so quick to die? I know living's hard, but like, Dying's easy. Yeah. Really? Are you really a warrior? You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Live the good life. Fight for it. How much do you think your music has been a catalyst for your own healing? And when did that start for you? Um, And that ties into my spirit, man. Uh, When my mom passed, I was 14 years old. I was two weeks away from exiting foster care and going home with her permanently it wasn't drugs it wasn't a relapse it was diabetes that got her she went into diabetic Mm -hmm. coma and i woke up at 14 years old yo you ready for this this is the god's truth i swear on my mother's grave i swear on everything i am i swear on all the integrity i have this is the truth it was march what 20 like it was march whatever um but it was a Tuesday and it was, and I was at Orangewood children's home. I'll never forget it in Orange County, California. It was a transitional housing facility. Cause I had just got out of juvenile hall, um, which was my first and only trip there. I'm a one and done kind of dude with the hard shit. You know what I'm saying? Learn some shit once. So for me, the craft came from my mom and on that day, I didn't understand what was happening. Like, I look at it now and I have a great understanding. But I told them at like 4 or 5 a.m. before shift change, I said, look, you need to let me call my mom. She's not coming on Saturday. It was like, you know the rules. Parents go back to bed, you know. I was like, stay. I was like, no, I can't go back to bed. You don't understand. My mom's not coming this weekend for visitation. Like, you don't understand. I need to call my mom. And so it escalated quickly from, you need to let me call my mom to, if you don't let me call my mom, I'm going to burn this place to the motherfucking ground. And you laugh, bro, but I was goddamn serious. And I tried. Okay. It was like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., whatever. They had to, like, you know, get every kid up out that house, that cottage, and, and evacuate the kids because I was going off. And they couldn't catch me. And I was breaking shit, 
glass windows, sliding doors, TVs. I was I was gonna burn the place, break the place to the fucking ground. Game consoles that I enjoyed playing on, you know, I I was everything. And you can't catch me because it's shift change, and they only got like one person on guard for like all these kids, and people is waking up. I'm I am the riot. Hurricane Shay, man, I came up in there like crazy. You need to let me in that whole time screaming. You need to let me call my mom. She's not coming. She's not coming. She's not coming. You need to let me call my mom. It was a Tuesday, man. She was supposed to come on Saturday. I didn't understand. You know what I'm saying? They say when, when it matters most what you leave behind when you go. I didn't really understand that shit. I didn't really understand how real that was, you know? So my mom left me her guitar. Like I said, you know, it was finally a good thing, you know? So I was tripping out. I was like, why? And I didn't know. I didn't know that, you know, spirits can, you know what I'm saying? Let you know that, hey, I'm dipping out. I was 14 years old, bro. Coming from all the shit I came from. But from the shit we grow. You know, and that's the truth. And... So I found music in my mom's death because she left me her guitar. And I didn't understand, you know, it really does matter most what you leave behind when you go. So I put down the pens. I put down the pencils. I put down the colored pencils. I put down the watercolors. Maybe one day I'll pick them up again. But uh, I picked up her, her guitar, man, and I found solace. I found respite. I found a connection with her spirit. You know, so when I was at these other group homes, 15 years old, 16 years old, 17, when I was homeless, you know what I'm saying? And my options were drugs, prostitution, you know, whatever. Not some good shit, you know what I'm saying? Waiting list for a transitional housing facility, you know what I'm saying? Like, when my options were what they were, you know what I'm saying? Like, Collecting cans, collecting, you know what I'm saying? Like, I found that respite in my mom's guitar. You know, I'd go back to my tent that was illegally pitched wherever, and, you know, I'd have my mom's guitar. And I remember one day seeing, a, you know, somebody playing guitar, you know, on the street and getting some cash. So what the fuck you think I did? And I remember playing on Mill Avenue. For enough to eat four years before opening up for Trevor Hall on Mill Avenue for 1,400 people with a 103 degree fever. I don't give a shit. I ain't dead and I ain't dying. I'll go get an IV and an ice blanket. I ain't missing this shit. Somebody lights all the mics so he don't get sick. Hmm. I ain't missing it. I was homeless right there four years ago. Your life can change so fast. You just got to stay alive together. So how much do I think, you know what I'm saying, uh, music impacts me in, in, my, in my life and, and how I do things? I think, and how, do I, how does my spirit feel about that? You know, I feel like it's important that you leave behind something good when you go. I feel like your life can change real fast. Um, I feel like, the story's it's not over till it's over but you gotta see it play out hmm. 
that answers the question. I don't know if you asked me the question one more time. No, it definitely answers the question. Thank you. Um, we're going to shift gears real quick just so that we can get you out of here and you can enjoy some England time. Yeah, the phone just came out, um, man. It's been cloudy for a little bit. Oh, nice. Let's get you out there. So we have three quick questions that we always ask um, every guest. Um, the first one is like, what are you up to now? Slash, where can people find you? What am I up to now? Currently, I'm touring England. I get back to the States. And if everything's still on track, <laughs> I get top surgery August 1st, 2019 nice. in San Francisco, which is for me been like a 12-year dream. Uh, so to see that through is going to be a beautiful thing. And, uh, yeah, and then I, it looks like I'll be coming back to England to play at this beautiful spot called the Eden Project. Everybody should check that out. Um, they have a LGBTQ um, benefit that they're doing called Proud Eden. So I'll be doing that and then September and then November doing a thing up in Milwaukee. And, uh, yeah, so... And then we're just, you know, looking for looking for a little homestead. So, where can people find you on Instagram or Facebook or your website? You can find me at shayfreedom.com, s h e a freedom.com. And you can find all the information there for Instagram. It's just Shay Freedom Music or Shay Freedom Beautiful. for most everything. And then do you have a favorite book or album? It could be fiction, nonfiction, anything, book or album that you uh, recommend for people to listen to. I would say that a great book to read is Sean Taram. It's one of those books I didn't want to put down. Like, it took me like a year. No, it's taken me a couple of years to read it. I still haven't finished it, but I, I've... That one and a book called Ireland by Frank Delaney. Uh, Sean Taram in Ireland. Um, the, yeah, uh, they're great stories. Yeah, but Sean Taram is, that's the one. I didn't want to put it down. Um, I'm still like, <laughs> every, you know what I'm saying? If you look at my copy of it, it's well-loved. I've read it on boats. I've read it on planes and the mountains and the forest, cool. you know, at the airport. I, It's a book that I, I don't want it to end. So Awesome. I'll have to check them out. <laughs> Yeah. And then album. If I was going to tell anybody to check out an album, I would say check out Intrinsic by Climbing Poetry. Sweet. I and love them. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, Climbing and uh, Poetry is spelled P-O-E-T-R-E. -E. Um, our last question is, what would you tell someone... Uh, who is currently experiencing similar hardships. Stay alive. Stay alive. Stay focused. Stay as sober as possible. Don't do any hard drugs. Don't be out drinking, getting drunk. And just know that your craziest dreams can come true. Trust that. 
trust that. Hold on to that. If that's all you got, hold on to that like it's your fire on a cold night. And the wind and the rain want to blow out your fire. Protect that. If you got a dream, protect it. Stay alive to see it through. You may not know how you're going to obtain your dream. You may not know. You may not even have the skills necessary yet. But if you have a dream, pursue it. Because if you are not pursuing your dreams, you are literally committing spiritual suicide. And it is one thing to to take your body, but do, do not do not take your dreams to the grave with you. Wealthiest place on earth is the graveyard. Do not take your dreams there. Well, thank you very much for being a part of this. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Survivor Story podcast. I hope you gained a lot of inspiration and insight from listening to Shay's story. Um, Please send us some love on Instagram at the Survivor Story and at Facebook, the Survivor Story podcast. Also, rate and subscribe us. That's what helps keep this moving. You can also check out a lot more information of Shay's story, journal articles, different things that we have at the survivorstorypodcast.com, our website. There you can also check out the books and the CD that Shay recommended. So until next, I hope you have an amazing day, week, and thank you for listening. <laughs>